1: All right, guys, we're back with the last show of the year in 2022, Sports Insider Radio. We have our special guest from Wager Vice, Alan, Big Al, is ready to rock and roll with us today. Dave is off for the, he's got personal matters to attend to, so he's off today. And uh, we got Big Mike as always. And I got to tell you guys, if you've never looked at uh, Wager Vice's website, Al, I gotta tell you, whoever did that cartoon character of you, it is absolutely spot on. Spot on. <laughs> little, little body, big, big bowling brain for the bowl games. How little is this body now? We all know that we've been working on losing weight. You, me, big Mike. How we what are we down to right now? What was the high and now what is where are we at going into the
2: New Year's Eve? Yeah, I actually think that cartoon might look a little bit better than the the real life guy. But I uh I started at three twenty two and as of this morning I'm two twenty. Mm-hmm. My man. A yeah. hundred and
1: two pounds. Yep. I got about, wow. another,
2: about another twenty to go.
3: And Mike started at Mike where to where are we at? I started a month ago. I started at two nineteen. I'm at two twelve right now. Um, And what I'm trying to achieve is to get into my high school weight, which would be under 200. Um, I was 206 at 1.4 years ago when I was, you know, extremely high. Uh, Really good diet that I was on uh, through my gym. Extremely high. And I was doing a strength training program. What's that? Oh, you were doing a high... Quality
1: diet. You said I was extremely high. <laughs> no strict diet. Uh,
2: okay, got it, got it, got it. Yeah,
3: listen, you oh, were no, carrying no, not, not
1: anymore. You were pulling. Listen, you were pulling trucks. You didn't see anything like this, Al. The guy would go to go to the gym, pull trucks with a rope around his waist, then come to work. This is pre golf, pre golf, balancing yeah. uh, bricks on his head, walking down the street, ridiculous, pulling. I've never seen any. What what did you call that?
3: Ultimate CrossFit. What was that? No, it was a, it was a basically a powerlifting gym, and we did a lot of strongest man um, exercises. We pick up these boulders; they're called Atlas stones. We would throw them over our shoulders. We would do pull it. We would pull trucks, which actually pulling a car in neutral is it, not as hard as you think, because once it gets rolling, the momentum you just got to get it starting where you actually got to get it pulled. And the funny thing, just a quick story, the girl that was, we used her, uh, it was a Toyota Tundra. She forgot to put it in neutral and I'm trying to pull this thing and it's like not going anywhere. And all these other women that are strong before me are pulling this Tundra and I'm like, man, I got it. Maybe I'm just not as strong. Sure. And it like, and then she goes, oh, sorry, sorry. I didn't put it in neutral. So uh, once she did it, it's fairly easy. The The hard part is, doing the atlas stones honestly because they have they rip up your forearms and you got to it's like a process to get them up to your shoulder but um yeah that was actually really fun i'm i'm it was a dude i would drive 30 minutes a day every day one way to go to this gym and it was it you know it's a family style community over there which was really cool and i'm you know now i just do the other way i drive 30 minutes to the golf course so i guess the driving never changes just the activity
2: changes.
1: (laughs) so let's talk about that let's talk about that uh al so you coach football right you're one of your kids you coach does that help in picking winners or does it really have nothing to do with the price of tea in china
2: uh, no, not, I don't think it has anything to do really with picking winners. Uh, it does, I do get to catching myself watching schemes and stuff during the game, but um, I, I think there's just so much more involved that to, to, uh, that goes into uh, finding winners when we're betting than it does, uh, you know, that equates to coaching uh, youth football.
1: <laughs> so let's talk about the bowl games. Dave
2: hasn't really been doing
1: much with the bowl games. Um beginning he's always looking for market edges obviously a lot of people are interested in the bowl games I, I'm actually I've only played one bowl game I had middle Tennessee state on the money line um, that's it how have you been doing in the bowl games on your service and uh we can talk about that Georgia game and uh we can
2: let you get into that as well yeah absolutely well um I, I've been doing really good actually I, I cannot wait for bowl season every year because uh I do really well during bowl season, and you've you, you got to look at a lot of different factors uh different different factors than you would during the regular season um a lot uh we got at this day of day and age you got the transfer portal, so you got to see who's transferring uh out <clears throat> of course the coaching carousel <clears throat> excuse me uh, but uh, another big big factor in finding bowl winners is the <clears throat> The uh, the motivation factor, like if you you know you look at uh, Alabama is going to be playing Kansas State. Uh, I think is that tomorrow maybe um, or, or Saturday, but you know how how motivated is Alabama going to be for that game versus Kansas State, who's getting to take on the big bad, you know the big bad wolf and Nick Saban Alabama. I would say Kansas State. Now there's going to be plenty more that goes into that, but that's going to be a big factor. Um, you look at a game like today, uh, Kansas and Arkansas, uh, you wouldn't think there's a whole lot of motivation for either one there. But they were both 6-6, six six, both barely made the bowl. Um, again, a lot of other things than motivation, but motivation is a big key factor. Kansas has got six wins total in like the last four years. They met that this year early in the year. They were big. They were nice. Uh, Cinderella story early in the year. Of course, they fell off. They started playing a different competition. But Kansas itself is going for a uh, you know a, a seventh win, and that's the first time. And I, I mean, I have to look it up. I would say at least a decade here. Let's see, last time they won seven games was in two thousand eight, and they won eight. So you're talking fourteen years ago since they won even uh, six games, and they're got a chance to go in there and win, get win number seven in a bowl game this year. And you can uh, guarantee they're going to be motivated to do that.
3: So going through these bowls, obviously we have, you know, and I want to throw a couple games at you and and we could kind of do a little breakdown. You don't have to give the opinion, but like Oregon, North Carolina, obviously Oregon is a huge favorite. Um, Oregon was a team that needed to win the title game for them to advance. and Potentially at the time, they, they could have got into the, to the playoff and then North Carolina, who's had a very good season, in the ACC. That's a big number. I mean, what do you see as that? I mean, they're both, one's nine and four, one's nine and three. Um, Oregon's obviously exceptional throughout the season against the spread, while North Carolina has a losing against the spread record. What do you see that game play out? Do they have, obviously, it's a decent game. It's not, you know, obviously, it's not the top six. It's a San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. But what do you see in that matchup?
2: So uh, what I you know I, I really dove in a, a good bit on this matchup. As uh, first thing that comes to mind is that Bo Nix, uh, who was the potential Heisman candidate, uh, really till about the last week of the season, <clears throat> decided to come back. He's coming back. and He is playing in the game. But on the other side, Drake May, who was ACC uh, uh, Rookie of the Year, ACC Offensive uh, uh, Rookie of the Year, ACC Offensive Player of the Year as a, as a freshman. Uh, there was speculation that he may transfer out. He said he came out publicly said he's staying. So he's playing in the bowl game. So that's your two big ones there. Um, <clears throat> the other thing I look at is, uh, Drake May, the quarterback of North Carolina, his top receiver, Josh Downs, he was, he might have been one of the top receivers in the entire country. He's opted out. He's going to, uh, prepare for the NFL draft. But on the other side of the ball, um, you know, it kind of cancels itself out is, uh, Oregon's cornerback, their top cornerback, uh, Gonzalez's last name. I'm not sure his first name, but he was the, uh, he was one of the Pac-12 players of the year on defense. He's their top, uh, cornerback. He would have been covering downs, uh, with downs out. He would have been covering something else. but he decided to, uh, opt out also. He was actually the team's most valuable player. So when you look at uh, all those things involved there, you know, I really feel like all that equals out. So then at that point, you kind of go to motivation. <clears throat> the way I look at this game is both teams going to come in motivated. Yes, they both had, they neither one out and finished where they thought they would or where they were hoping and, and way the way the season was playing out. However, Dan Lanning is just, a. it was his first year in Oregon. So he got them, oh, he got them close to the hump. You know, he obviously not over the hump, he got close to the hump in his first year. And with his Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback coming back, and, uh, the recruiting, the recruiting class they put together, I want to say it was in the top 20. Um, he is, he's coming from the mold of, uh, Kirby Smart and he's Kirby Smart, obviously from the mold of Nick Saban. So he's going to use this as a big time motivation factor going into building on momentum to go into next season. They're expecting big things, especially with Bo Nick's coming back. They're expecting big things uh, up there in Eugene, Oregon next year. Well, the flip side you got also got the same thing with uh, North Carolina and Mac Brown, who's, you know, we've only got, <clears throat> I think there's five active head coaches in college football that's ever won a national championship, uh, and that is uh, Nick Saban, Dabo Swinney, Kirby Smart, Jimbo Fisher, and Mac Brown from North Carolina. So he knows how to coach. His uh, freshman quarterback was also ACC player of the year. Publicly said he's coming back to North Carolina, so they're also doing the same thing as Dan Landon in Oregon. They're going to be building on momentum in the next year. Clemson, uh, you know, while they're not back, they're still a formal team. They're one of the top, you know, 10 teams for sure in the in the country, if not top five or six. And But uh, even though they're still on a down slope, North Carolina is looking with Drake May and, and ACC Player of the Year coming back. They're looking to D.C. Clemson next year. So both these teams, I think, have a lot of motivation. Uh, good coaching. Top players come back. Not a lot of people. they uh, they do have a lot, uh, there's several in the transfer portal, but none that are just completely uh, decimating the team uh, because I feel like that both teams, both players, both uh, programs feel like they have a lot of to build on going into next year. So that's kind of what I'm looking at here um, uh, and, as far as when I dive into the game and the, as, as being a bowl game.
1: So let me ask you, Alan, uh, talking about that Alabama game real quick, um, Alabama, for all the listeners, is five, six and one ATS while 10 and two straight up. So they're under one game under 500 this season. Um, while Kansas State, check this out, is the number third team against the spread in all of college football. They are nine and three, um, against the spread while being uh, Ten and three. So Kansas has, State, excuse me, has been winning and covering, and they've been making. I guess you could call it a less efficient number on Kansas State, while Alabama is one game under five hundred. What's interesting on the early money on this game, which is Saturday, twelve noon Eastern Standard Time, New Year's Eve, is sixty-four percent of the general public is on Alabama on the screens right now. The line opened up at five and a half. It's now six and a half. And 83%, which is really what I wanted to key in with you, 83% of the general public is on over 56.5 versus the opening number of 55.5. Now, long term, over the course of time, I do this on my YouTube channel each and every day. I update the money line results yesterday. Today's Wednesday. Yesterday, both bowl games, the public actually won in easy fashion on their high percentage overlays, but obviously over a large sample size, 1,000 games or more, the public's going to be a net loser. Um, the public has been on a little bit of a winning streak in these bowl games where the money comes in heavy on the side that's actually winning. But what's your take on this over? That's a very high number. Usually anything over 76, I start looking. Two days, three days away, we're at 83% on that over, and in some spots it's actually 57 What's your take on that total?
2: Uh, well, here's what I know: uh, Bryce Young, who may be the number one pick in the draft next year, has said that he's going to play in this game. Uh, he's coming back to play. You got a Heisman Trophy winner from last year, uh, top two, three, four pick in the NFL draft this coming year. It's very, it's very uh, unique at this point, and, and the day uh, the day we live in now with college football. Uh a player like Bryce Young doesn't play in these games. Uh he is. That said, you have also got uh you got uh on the defensive side, if Bryce Young's not the number one pick, Will Anderson may be the defensive uh edge rusher for Alabama. Uh he said he's playing in this game. So uh on the flip side with Kansas State, they also have uh no opt outs. Uh last heard, which was as of uh just an hour or so ago. Neither one of these teams are having any opt outs for drafts, uh, or any other, any other reasons for that other than just, you know, maybe an injury here or there. But for the most part, both these teams are playing, um, with uh, full strength. That said, um, Kansas State has not played the competition that Alabama has. Um, you know, I, uh, I think that's a very high total um you've had a month to get ready you got holidays exams i mean it's just it's kind of like this at the beginning of the football season um uh, uh, for the most part you can count on lower scoring games uh, traditionally early on because it takes less time for the defense to jail than it does offense offense is so much about timing and and co- cohesion with your uh, with your quarterbacks receivers and a lot of your, uh, you know, your, your recreational fans, they watch football uh, religiously, but they don't, some, they don't understand that to throw that eight yard out route, that quarterback had to keep it. And when you got going to go up against speed with college athletes, definitely NFL athletes, that ball has to come out of that quarterback's hand before that receiver ever makes his break to the out route. That said. It comes down to timing, right? So there's a lot of time that goes into it. Now, while they've had a month of practice, uh, almost to get between the last game of the season and the bowl game, uh, you wonder, though, how much timing they've had to work on, uh, some of the offense, right? Just because holidays, they haven't practiced all the time. Uh, I know living right here in the, in the, in the heart of college football world, uh, in Athens, Georgia, that, uh, you know, they had the entire week off of of Christmas, no no practice at all. They were they were told to lift, weight, stand, shape while they're while they're gone. Uh, before that, they had almost another week off due to final exams for the semester. Uh, before they come back in the winter, so while they have a month between games, that's not all practice time. There's a lot less practice time that's gone on probably from that last game to the next game uh, than there are in the regular season. If you get if you get what I'm saying. Regular season, schedule, 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 practice, practice, practice. Um, they hit the break. You got four weeks, three, four weeks between games. You got holidays. They go home. You have uh, you have exams. They let them off. So I feel like that number's a little high. But then again, you could also see Batman putting up 40 by herself.
3: And that's um, – so – Moving on from that, because obviously those Saturday is really outside of all the games. That's, that's where all the action is. They, they set it up all the time where it's, you know, you're talking about on Saturday we have Michigan-TCU, which is a very compelling matchup. Michigan has been here before. They've never actually closed. They beat Ohio State, which I believe Ohio State is still the better team. So seeing him against Georgia, in my mind, the winner of that game, I think is going to have an easy route to get the championship. TCU is feisty. I mean, you saw, you know, Doug in their quarterback, Allen, is is just a feisty guy. I mean, I don't know if he could compete at the NFL level. Um, it's yet to be seen. I don't even know if he's going to get drafted pretty high. But the guy just fights to the end, and his, the threat of him running – I'm wondering if Michigan can really contain that. I mean, they have an exceptional defense. The line right now, current, is seven and a half. So obviously, it's it's different than Alabama. They they have them over the touchdown, over the key number of seven. The total is very high. It's almost sixty. It's fifty-eight and a half. So they're expecting a lot of points to be scored in this game. What do you see in that matchup that you're that you're doing your analysis on? Because I know they just started practicing and they got uh, to Arizona. What do you see in the TCU Michigan matchup?
2: Yeah. Um, Duggan uh, like you said he was you know he was recruited by Texas Alabama Ohio State I believe LSU so he was he was recruited by major power 5 teams and it was one it was just like a, a real shock honestly when he decided to uh go to TCU which I believe I may be mistaken but I believe he's from Texas in that area um so when they got him uh when they recruited him and got him a few years back uh he it was a big get for TCU uh, that said, yeah, he can run. Uh, but, you know, CJ Stroud can also run. He's probably a little quicker, a little shiftier than Doug. And I, I kind of look at Doug as a Josh Allen mold. He can a little bit more run over you than run by you. But, you know, Michigan did a good job against Stroud, um, keeping CJ Stroud in the, in and the, uh, and, and check that at the horseshoe when they, when they ended up routing him. That said, um, you know, Michigan has been here and I think they, uh, I think they have a, a extra chip on the shoulder after being blown out by Georgia last year. But I'll tell you this, I, I agree with you with a Georgia Ohio State. I think that, you know, Georgia being 13-0 and, and, and being a one seed, I feel like they got chapters. Even Vegas says that Ohio State, if they were ranking them, Ohio State would be the two seed, which would be above Michigan, right? I think that TCU got the best matchup in round one for them to be able to move on. If they can indeed move on, uh, can they? I don't know. I think they have they have they they have something that you cannot put into words. They have an it factor. Uh, they just have, you know, call it destiny, call it what you will. They have a way of, uh, you know, they're a cat. They got nine lives. They just keep plugging and plugging and plugging. So, uh, I think it's going to be a, a, a very, I, I think it's going to be, a, like you said, a compelling game. Um, I think that if TCU was going to make it past round one, they had to play Michigan. Uh, I, I'm with you. I feel like Ohio State's better. Uh, uh, not to say that Michigan, uh, Michigan definitely can may route them, but the thing is, they just match up better with Michigan than they do with, uh, uh, definitely Ohio State or Georgia, I believe.
3: And then with TCU, TCU I mean, it is also- a different style. Well, T- TCU is a different style. It's C.J. Stroud, yes, can he let it go and he can run and he's got wheels? Absolutely. But predominantly, they're running a pro-style offense where they don't really design many runs for C.J. Stroud like they do with Duggan. What they do, like, you, you have a perfect comparison. Duggan is a perfect comparison to Josh Allen, that big body type, two forty, six five frame, and they do a lot of design runs. So I I think Michigan's in for it. He, it's not going to be the same style. And and they just have so many guys that they could beat you that don't really have a name. Not guys that I could name on TCU as receivers and running backs. And they're shifty. They have some size. They have some power at the running back position. I haven't done as much of a deep dive in how good their offensive line is this year. Um but from what I'm seeing, I mean, they were an overtime away for being undefeated. So, you know, uh, it's going to be a tough matchup for Michigan. I think they're up for the challenge. Uh, obviously, the odds makers see it the same way, giving them a seven-and-a-half-point cushion um, or TCU side. But, you know, this is going to be a great game. I think they definitely got it right well, with the top four. So I'm excited for it. So go ahead, John. Well, so let, let's talk about the point spread action for the betters. So what's interesting about this
1: TCU game is, first of all, um, in the Ohio State Georgia game, both teams are under five hundred against the spread. We're just talking numbers, not winning. Ohio State is five six and one against the spread, one game under five hundred. They pushed on one game. Georgia Al is seven and six in their last thirteen against the spread, one game under five hundred. The fourth best team against the spread in college football is TCU. They are 12 and one, nine, three and one on the closing number. Michigan is also over 500. They're eight, four and one, even though they're 13 and 0 straight up. Now, what's interesting is TCU has only been an underdog twice in the last 13 games. They are two and zero, obviously straight up, winning outright as a dog. So to me, it is very compelling that if I was—and I didn't say I am—going to play TCU, there is no way that I don't play them on the money line as well. I.e., my eighty twenty system. There is no way I'm getting a, this team that's twelve and one. I don't personally think. And I've said this in years (laughs) past on the very, you know, been doing this radio show for eight years. I think a lot of these matchups, these slugfests, I don't think the spread comes in play, which gives you a lot of value on the money line. Now, the line opened up at nine and a half, Michigan, got bet down to eight. It's currently down to seven and a half in some spots, a lot of the spots I'm looking on the screen. So you're getting over a touchdown. My personal opinion is, and I want to see you both can time in. Uh, chime in, I don't think the spread matters. I'm, if You're either playing Michigan minus the 7.5 and, and they're covering, or you're playing TCU on the money line. I don't see a 7-point game. So that's my hypothesis. If I'm playing TCU, yes, I would play a portion of my play, i.e. my 80-20 system, um, not tuning my own horn, owning up 180 units in the last 90 days. <clears throat> but I would play The money line on TCU, I don't think the seven even comes into play. I don't see a 27-20 matchup where TCU covers by a half a point. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. I think uh, think you're spot on with that. Either uh, you know Michigan is going to blow them out or it's going to be a tight game. (laughs) I mean, so if you're playing, I agree. If you were to play TCU, I think throwing a money line bet on them is, is the smart play. Uh, that said, um, it's kind of like, I know you probably don't remember, John, cause, uh, uh, you had me on your show. I remember because it's the honor and privilege to come on your radio show. But last year you had me on about the same time when we talked a little bit about Georgia, uh, and how well they did against the spread last year. And you asked me why that was. And I said, well, it's because no one thought Georgia was going to go undefeated through the regular season and then, you know, and, and be where they were, you know, going into the SEC championship game and going into the playoffs. No one thought that. They knew Georgia was going to be good, but they never thought in a million years that, you know, Georgia was way down the line. I'm going to tell you, seven, eight, nine probably beginning of season on, uh, now championship odds. So as they were, as, as the boys in the desert were setting these lines, uh, you know, this, it, it, they're, they're human too. So it's human nature to, okay, well, they're this good. How many times more times are they going to win? And I think it's the opposite with TCU. No one in a million years thought they would be in, in the playoffs at the beginning of the year. And as the season goes, okay, they're winning, they keep winning, they keep winning, but uh, they keep making that spread, uh, you know, smaller or the underdog, right? Because they're quote unquote TCU. They're not Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, right? Clemson. They are TCU. And as a result of that, what happens is if you follow TCU all, all year long, you made some money betting them uh, against the spread. Uh, that said, we've got a whole year unders now, but how many, how many, uh, the line initially set, right? Uh, We know it all goes by uh, how much money's coming in on which side, but when it's initially set, how much of that nine and a half, I think you said it was, went into the fact that they are still, quote-unquote, TCU versus, quote-unquote, Michigan?
1: Oh, I'm sure. And as I'm looking at the Don Best screen right now, 60% of the general public is laying still on Michigan, which for me, I want to be against the public. 60% of the money still grabbing Michigan, you know. Now, to, to digress from that, the largest side money, public versus sharp money early, the biggest discrepancy in every bowl game. I'm not looking at this weekend's bowl games. I'm looking at every bowl game, right, all the way to January 2nd. I'm telling you, I haven't seen a percentage on a side, Alan, over 80 the entire season. And I follow this money daily to the moment. Georgia. Your Georgia has 87% of the public. This does not fare if you want to fade the public. No, don't, don't tell me that. I know, but listen, it... This is what we call a reverse line move. And I know that you don't watch my YouTube videos, but on my YouTube videos, I teach everybody what's a reverse line move. The line opens up. All the money comes in on a sharp, on on one side by the public. The line should historically go up. So if the line opens up at 7, and 87% of the tickets are on Georgia, the line should go over the key number of seven to seven and a half at the minimum. Well, we have a reverse line move. Eighty seven percent of the tickets are on Georgia, and the line went down to six and a half under the key number. Woo-hoo! That is a reverse line. That is a reverse line move. And what that basically means is professional money came in, clients asking me what causes. It's money versus volume of tickets. So you have a million dollars coming in from a sharp group. We'll call it XYZ group. They see seven on the opening number. They go and they hit every account they can hit at a $1,000 at a time on early money. And then they all these computers are connected. And they basically say, wow, all this money is coming in at plus seven. We have to bring it down to get money on the other side. They bring it down to six and a half, and then every guy who's at home, like, Al, I'm just having a little fun with you, Al, you know, got a little did a little did, ooh, 13 and 0, I can get Georgia under a touchdown now. And now all of the tickets, I said tickets, listeners listening, 87% doesn't mean more money. It means more tickets, more human beings betting Georgia than the sharp money betting the other side at plus seven. So what I'm saying is this is a perfect pros versus Joes. The pros bet Ohio State on the open plus seven. They might come back and grab the other side for some middle possibilities later, but it is telling that most people bought into this drop from seven to six and a half, and all these people in all these 32 legal states plus the offshores, plus the PPA, they're all betting, saying to themselves, oh, I get Georgia 13-0 and under a touchdown. So I'm curious at your thoughts on that, because that is whacked out for a game like that.
2: I, uh, I can tell you this. I uh, I, I tend to mourn uh, uh, and raise in the Texas Georgia area, Uh lifelong uh, dog fan. I try to stay away, uh, because no matter how, but how analytical the percentage, reverse line movements, and everything I get, everything that goes into finding a winner. I, I for some reason, I cannot seem to get past the red and black glasses, and, I, and it's either I don't know, there were no way we're to cover well, uh, that team, or for oh, the purpose of know. the
1: radio, just try to.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I here's. here's, here's Here's what I think. I'm from. If, if, if I don't know how many of you listeners have heard of Larry Munson, but he's a lot, one of the all-time best broadcasters ever. But he was always very pessimistic, right, about Georgia football, uh, even when we were winning. He's like, "Oh, we're is it, we're just got a tough one coming on board. We're playing uh, an O and eight Kentucky team." Uh, that said, I'm nervous about the game. Uh, uh, but you heard me give you a, a Rick Flair. Woo! When uh, you said reverse line movement, because I don't want to hear that everybody's on Georgia, (laughs) because it just makes me that much more nervous. (laughs) Well,
1: well, the smart money is on Ohio State. The public, every Joe, is on Georgia. So everybody, everybody who's not a pro, basically right now, is on Georgia. The sharp money is keeping this line from going to seven
2: and a half. What's that? I said, you made me feel better, though, when you said it was because it dropped below a touchdown.
1: 100%. Don't you agree? If you're sitting oh, home yeah. and you have no access to real syndicates, and you go, I got a team 37 in it, I got I get joy. I mean, Mike, we live in a different – it's interesting. We live in Baltimore, Maryland, where we have a very high um, – I mean, there's bars here that just become Ohio State. I don't know why this – whole thing from Maryland and they get, they recruit people to, we have, a. don't know if it's the entire country or just here, but I mean, the the bar up the street jillies is becomes the Ohio state bar uh, every, every Saturday, uh, Mike. So, I mean, what's your, what's your take on that since we're basically in Ohio state country
3: without being in Ohio? I mean, to this day, uh, the spread, here's the thing. I am not a college football handicapper. I don't have an opinion. I, I like certain teams and I feel like I pr- do a pretty legitimate deep dive when I could, I could talk about it with the best of them, but I don't have an opinion on the game. I think Ohio State is a very deadly matchup. I think Ohio State could easily, I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State was the national champion. Why? Because they have a exceptional quarterback who's going to be a top pick. They have wide receivers that are going to play. In the NFL, Marvin Harrison's son, who's just getting better and better, they have two or three running backs that could easily do damage. They have a big offensive line, and they have a good defense. Now, on the other hand, you got Georgia. you got, I like to call him, Little Gronk, Gronk Jr., Mr. Bowers, who is probably one of my favorite players since he was a freshman. The guy's an absolute freak in a tank, and he can run routes like a wide receiver. JT Daniels who's looks like he uh weighs less than Allen right now, right? He's about a buck 50 maybe. Um but the guy is just a winner. He just he doesn't he he is just a winner. I don't see him playing at the pro level just because of his size, but for a college quarterback, he plays Kirby Smart's scheme exceptionally well. He fits the actual scheme and he runs it to perfection. They brought Guys back from last year. Obviously, they lost Pickens, who's obviously a starter of the NFL. But outside of that, the guys that have stepped up, and again, I don't know enough, like Allen does, about the Georgia team. So, but defense, all those guys got drafted in the NFL. They just brought guys back, and the guys that stepped up, it's like basically right now, you're looking at the emergence of the dynasty that used to be or still could be with that Alabama is people want to go to Georgia when they're five-star recruits used to be every Alabama got all of them and then you know the rest of the SEC got sprinkled around with some of them but now you're talking guys that are coming up from the from the ranks they're all five-star recruits and and Georgia has that firepower to again this is a type of game I wouldn't be surprised similar to The Michigan TCU matchup that Georgia could blow them out, or money line Ohio State can get the money line win easily. So that's the cool part about these games that you would think the Final Four you would get threes, you would get two and a halves because it's a neutral field, but it's not. It's it's not at all. You're talking about two. Game's one above the key number of seven, one just under the key number of seven. So they're suckering you in both ways. And that's why the odds makers are exceptional at what they do. The public is always confused. They bet with their hearts. They don't have any analytics. They don't have an Allen in their back pocket giving them deep dives like we do. We are the fortunate ones. So if you're new to the show and you got the link from Instagram and and you've never heard us before, unfortunately... We don't have David Miller on the show today. I kind of wanted to give him some praise from this past weekend of beating some key numbers um while the public lost. Um But Allen is the real deal, guys. We're going to be getting out all of Allen's plays for the rest of the bowl season on Telegram. So if you're not already a subscriber, give us a shout. Give us a shout after the show. But um I'm very excited. And then, you know, the season's not over. For Georgia, when they win, now we get to talk about them in the national championship, which is I think what is it January ninth, Alan, or is it yeah, or is it January tenth?
2: Yeah, January. Uh, I believe it's January ninth on that Monday night. And here's uh, here's one Got thing it. I'll say too about about that line, John uh, and Mike, is that you know the public better. No, no, uh, go ahead. I was going to say the public betters that uh, you know they they look at Ohio State the last time they seen them on the field, right? And the last time they seen him on the field, they were getting boat raced by Michigan. Well, the last time they seen George on the field, they were, uh, you know, they were well, they were galloping in the SEC championship against LSU. So, you know, the uh, the public betters tend to look at recent bias, you know, instead of the big picture, and so a lot of that could be that that uh, that as well uh, because last time we seen the two teams play. And as
1: uh, I have chills. Going down both arms, looking at the Don Best screen. Um, recency bias was Brian Blessings' claim to fame. He always throw out the last game, always throw out the last game. Unfortunately, not only is it the championship game, Mike, January 9th will be the one-year anniversary of Brian being uh, – so I will be smoking a cigar. I will be drinking a beer. And I might even buy a pack of cigarettes and smoke the whole damn pack in honor of Brian on the national championship, as he did pass away on January 9th of this year. And I didn't even realize that the champion game was on the exact year anniversary. Now, let, moving on from that, let me ask you um, about NFL. Um, because you're such a football, and I know you bet on everything, but are you... Do you care about a specific team in the NFL, or you're just looking at every game? Uh, there's really no favorites, i.e., the Georgia scenario.
2: Yeah, there's. Uh, you know, I'm
1: am I'm,
2: a, I'm, a, I'm somewhat of a Falcon fan just because I'm from the area. But I mean, honestly, I think I've watched about two quarters of a Falcon football game this year, and that was last week when Desmond Ritter uh, played. I want to see how he, how he did. Uh, other than that, no, I really don't have favorites. Um, I just. Uh, the pageantry and the passion of college football it draws me in. Uh, you know, the NFL is. Uh, I just don't get as 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 caught up in it. It's, it's the fandom, right uh, now betting. You know, I'm I'm really looking at uh at so many different factors. Um, uh, in the NFL is I definitely don't have uh, definitely don't have a favorite. Um, you know, I, I I like to watch good games. If there's a good team playing a good game, a uh. Um, uh a compelling game, I'm watching it uh it doesn't matter who it is uh I will tell you this, and uh, uh you'll you may find this funny. I told my wife earlier this year because the Falcons are terrible i said uh, I was sitting there watching the game, and uh, uh Baltimore was on, and Lamar Jackson man looks uh uh almost like Michael Vick reincarnated, and Vick might be my favorite player ever he's just uh incomparable man. he was a great. And I looked at my wife, I said, you know what, I need an NFL team to root for because I don't really have any favorites. I said, I think I'm going to make Baltimore my team because I love watching Lamar Jackson. (laughs) And then he ends up getting hurt and he ain't played in a few games. So now you got nobody to watch.
1: So let's – well, so you have Georgia. Mike has the Ravens. Mike, everybody, uh, you will be at the 8-20 Sunday night – yeah, Sunday night, January. So that's how you're spending New Year's. Day you're going to be in the office, and then you're going to be going to the Ravens game. And I don't—I mean, does this game really have any value? The line opened up at six and a half. Mike is
3: now down to one. Which one was that? Sorry, the Ravens. You're going to be spending New Year's Day at the Ravens game Sunday night, eight twenty. It's they—they flexed. They flexed it to a Sunday night game. I see that it's in red. They
1: flexed it right.
3: Yeah, well, they flexed it, which means, as far as right now, Lamar has not been practicing throughout the week. That's why the line is so low. You're t- it, it's going to be tough for Pittsburgh to beat us twice in a season. They beat us already at home. Um, I think the scheme doesn't change much with Huntley. Obviously, he's not going to make the, you know, the down-the-field amazing passes and creativity that Lamar does, but The downgrade for us to run a ball control, run it down their throats-style offense is going to help us at home. It's a must-win game for us if we want to win the division. So we have to win this game, and then hopefully we get Lamar back uh, for the final game, which will be against the Bengals for the division. We're already in the playoffs, but obviously getting a home game is very important when it comes to January football. Pittsburgh's been playing well. I mean, obviously now they got Jade, you know, they got Watt back. Um their defense is finally playing better than they did early in the season. Looks like Pickett is able to uh get more knowledge of the offense and he's you could see that and it makes Najee Harris a much better runner because they're they're able to use him in the passing game a lot more. We have a tough task. I mean, anytime we play Pittsburgh, I'm shocked still that the line's not three. Usually that's, you know, that's the running joke here in in Maryland for many, many years, where no matter where we play them home and our way, the line's always three. And it always lands on three. So one, you know, it, it just shows that, you know, we're a better team. But with the backup quarterback, we're not getting recognition to get to that three. I think with Lamar there, the line would be three and a half. And whereas with with our backup with Huntley, we're looking at one. So I'm excited for the game. I will be there in person. Um, I pick usually three games a year, normally night games that I go to. I went to the Bills game, we lost. I went to um, the Bengals game at home, we won. So right now I'm one and one at home this year. So hopefully I could finish my my homestand at two and one but we we shall see well, it's it's going to be exciting so it is what it is
1: so you know it's interesting alan you said i don't really watch atlanta much cuz they are horrible atlanta is in it uh, is in the top group of 12 in the nfl 32 teams just for your information only 12 teams are over 50% against the spread only 12 the other 20 are all under 50% against the spread. And Atlanta is actually 8 and 7, 53.3. So betting wise, they're actually in, 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 esteemed company. Um, and I think there was some crazy stat, by the way. Um, Mike, um, Cincinnati is 12 and 3 against the spread, but I think they're 26, and, 20 26 and 3 or 20 and 3 in their last 23. This team, we can just talk about this. We got ten minutes left. This team literally is a covering machine, and it's just unbelievable. They're playing the Bills, I believe. Is that correct, Mike? Yes. What do you show? Show is the line here. In I'm Buffalo. Showing, um,
3: in Buffalo. So it'll be. In, what are you showing the line as? I got the line currently at Buffalo. No, sorry. I apologize. It's in Cincinnati. It's Buffalo laying a point.
1: You know, again, from a square point of view, everybody's going to take Cincinnati. You know, again, how many times can you be contradictory on a team like this? I mean, the team literally hasn't not covered in two years.
2: <laughs> no
3: well, matter how. That's, that's, that is. No, I that that's. You can't look at last year's square. history. exactly as uh, that's very square to think that, that both of these. Well, you teams can. I tell you
0: why. I tell, tell you why.
1: I tell you why. I tell you why you can. If there's a stat that the worst team against the spread in the season that you're in, usually the following year rises up to almost being the best team against the spread. So, for instance, to give an example, Tampa Bay is three and eleven and one against the spread. So what they will do is they will make these crazy numbers based upon this season with Tampa Bay. Don't be shocked if we're talking about Tampa Bay being seven and oh against the spread next year after week in week eight, after the first seven weeks. So year over year, what usually winds up happening is the line makers adjust and it's a flip. So Dallas Cowboys was the number one team against the spread in 2021. They they were 13 and five. They were the number one team against the spread. Carolina was the worst team against the spread in 2021. They were 5-12. and 12. So you just have the Cowboys at the top and you have Carolina at the bottom. You flip forward a year. You look for the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys are currently right now against the spread. Still rolling 9-6, and six, but not nowhere near that 13-5 and five at 60%. And Carolina, who was the worst team against the spread last season, is now in the esteemed company of the 12, 8-7 against the spread. So they did a, a complete flip. So usually what you don't see is year-to-year, year, everything's staying the same. And that means the line makers are overlooking that team because last year Cincinnati was 14-7 and seven against the spread. I'm looking at it now. And then you flip to this year, and they just keep on rolling. Now they're 12-3 and against the spread. So, anyway, I just wanted to show you that usually it does bounce. And I think what happens is because it's not a major market. It's not Dallas. It's not the Ravens. It's not the Steelers. It's not the Chargers. It's not the Broncos. You don't think of, like, Cincinnati as having this huge traveling fan base that the line makers themselves just overlook these little, what I call, smaller market teams inside the NFL like even Green Bay is a big team for betting and for fandom but you know Green Bay you can drive across the whole area in like five minutes it's nothing nothing of a city versus you know Los Angeles so it's perception it's obviously why they flex the Pittsburgh Ravens game talking about the fight why they do that more eyeballs watching the game two major markets Ravens Steelers (laughs) so with the bills it is compelling um to see a a one point game um in terms of predictions we got about 6 minutes left just for the fun of it we know that allen thinks that George is going to win it all right you still believe that allen is allen you still believe they're going to win it all
3: <laughs>
1: i uh i am Come on. I need you on the radio.
2: I need proof documentation. Yeah. This is, I'm cautiously optimistic. I, uh, like I said, I'm from the, I'm from the breed Larry months where I'm always worried. i tell you what made me feel better though, about this Ohio state Georgia game is Ohio state is playing the, the disrespect card, right? No one gives us a chance. We're going down to Georgia's backyard in Atlanta. Uh, nobody gives us a chance to even, uh, to even think we can win. Well, on the flip side, Kirby Smart, I feel like, is the is the absolute best motivator, uh, number one motivator in the country at this point, uh, if not the best overall just head coach. And he's got he's – t- at the end of the LSU game, his words were at the post-game interview on the field, first words out of his mouth were, good to be SEC champions, proud of this team, but we've got to do something on defense because that was absolutely embarrassing. And that's what he said, because LSU put up 30 on Georgia more than anybody this year, and was throwing the ball all over the field in the second half. Now, a lot of that was out of desperation. That said, uh, three Georgia players at media days just uh, just yesterday, the words out of their mouth were, uh, "We've got to improve upon that embarrassment in the SEC championship game." Now, you think you got 18, 19, 20 year old kids that just went 13 and 0, coming off a of national championship season and just won the SEC? Then they would be, uh, you know, pounding their chest, ready to go, right? Nope. They said we got to prove upon that embarrassment in the SEC championship game. So, uh, when you look at those different things and those psychological factors with coaches and players, uh, yes, I feel like Georgia uh, gets past Ohio State, which I think they will. That doesn't take the nervousness away from me. I do think they'll uh, be back to first back to back national champs in the playoff era. And I'll tell you this: if we are steak dinners on me for both W or Toro and uh, MGM uh, or Mirage uh, after the next championship, let's go, let's go. Oh, I'm just uh, and we have and we have it on
1: the radio to rewind and replay if they win. No, I <laughs> Look love it. that. Hey, let me ask you: they call it a neutral <clears throat> location. Now, my twin brother lives in Atlanta. And I know it's not that far from, you know, Georgia's is not that far from everything, you know, and it, it's not like being in California where you can drive 10 hours and still be in the state. Uh, do you think there's an advantage that it's in Atlanta from Athens or, or uh, even though they call it a
2: neutral site, or do you think it really doesn't matter? I I do think there's an advantage and here's why. Now it's not going to be an overwhelming advantage as if they were playing in, you know, in separate stadium or if they were playing in the horseshoe, right? That would be overwhelming. I I do think there's going to be more Georgia fans for, here's the thing. This, these playoff games are not like regular season or SEC championship games. They, uh, where they give each school, uh, like, you know, 30% or 40% of tickets. Each school is only getting 10 to 12,000 tickets and that's it. Mercedes-Benz holds 76,000, I believe. So you've got, you've only got a guaranteed about 12,000 for each that are going to be at the game that each school got. Season ticket holders, you know, they, you gotta, you gotta make a certain list, the top 12,000 donators, whatever, get, get tickets. So each school got about 12,000 tickets approximately to give out to their season ticket holders and whatnot. So we still got about 50,000, um, uh, fans that left to be there. Now, who wants it the most? How many fans from each side wants it the most to be able to go? But then you run into the, the thing where it's only an hour from Athens. I can be at Mercedes-Benz an hour from my office where I'm sitting at right now talking to you guys. So while tickets are going to be expensive, it's going to be less expensive for Georgia fans to get there just because of the, the expenses of the, the travel expenses. Just about from anywhere in Georgia, other than maybe deep south Georgia, you can go to the game – drive to the game, and drive back the same day, right? So, right. Uh, Ohio State hasn't been there in a while. However, Georgia's got the chance to be the first back-to-back national champs in, uh, in the playoff era. On top of that, Georgia and Ohio State have only played one time. And Kirk Herbstreit was a quarterback back in 1994. Eric Zauer was quarterback for Georgia. Garrison Hurst was a running back for Georgia. And Georgia came out on top of that, I believe, at 27-13. Ohio State is a big-name blue-blood program that Georgia fans – want to see their team play again. Where there you go. Alabama can get fatigued, right? Georgia still knew it They've only won one. We want to go back to back. So I do think there's gonna be a Georgia bench in the state. Let's
1: go, Georgia. Let's win the stake. Happy New Year to everybody. That was the hour of power. We'll be back next week, next year. Good day and good luck.